Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, along with Kyle Davis. We will get you caught up on what was a not very busy week for the Toronto Rock, being that it was a bye week. And uh, we'll, we'll also tee things up, of course, coming into an incredibly important weekend in the National Lacrosse League for pretty well almost every team, really, across the board. So this is uh, do or die in some cases for some teams and uh, an opportunity to punch their ticket for the playoffs uh, for some, including the Toronto Rocks. So, uh, Kyle, we come into a, a week here where it's set up pretty nicely, obviously, for the Toronto Rock with some of the matchups that are on the board and, of course, a head-to-head buff- battle with Buffalo that uh, – obviously is one that gets everybody uh dialed up just a little bit more for yeah for sure it's uh no no love lost on the with these two teams here it's a it's a big one toronto coming off a bye week should be well rested and you know after a good practice tonight here at the track um i'm expecting it to be you know electric atmosphere in there with it uh good friday lots of fans you know look at the attendance uh on the Ticketmaster map there uh pretty simple though Toronto's in control of their own destiny here they got to go out and win a you know win a home game against a, a team they hate against a division rivalry and it sets himself up nice and you know depending some other games that happen on the weekend we could be looking pretty moving forward here down the stretch and on the bye week things did definitely go in the favor of the Toronto Rock with Calgary beating Buffalo on Saturday night and then a night earlier Georgia beating New England which sets up things pretty nicely and I know we maybe uh, batted it back and forth a little bit here on the podcast last week who we should be cheering for Georgia or New England and um, you know you could say it was a bit of a a pipe dream maybe to say that the Rocks still had a chance to catch Georgia for first place and and getting that home playoff game in the in the matchup with New England potentially more than likely in the 2-3 matchup is is probably the more important attainable uh, goal down the road but you still keep out a little bit of hope maybe that the impossible can happen here and and that Georgia goes on a massive skid to to possibly open the door for the Rock to possibly take first place but Again, in the in the big picture, the realistic picture, we can talk about uh, a home playoff game in the first round and having home floor for that one game winner take all and just how important that can be. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, well. Just to touch on that quickly, Georgia, Georgia gave it to New England pretty good there on the weekend, and you know you mentioned, uh, you know re- maybe more realistically looking at the 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 two three matchup with New England that was huge for us. Uh, it goes a long way. Like we want that home playoff game in a, in a one game. I think personally, the to have that on your home turf is is huge, right? And to have the fans behind you and just familiarity of your own your own barn, and that can go a long way in, in a one gamer. Where you know, especially the game of lacrosse, momentum can swing back and forth so so drastically. I guess to have you know the support and like I said, of the fans to be there to to be with you and really you know amp it up for playoff time I think would be uh, very beneficial so I, I think it's definitely what Toronto's goal should obviously is don't get me wrong and they're obviously going for for that and I we've talked about it before they've set themselves up in a in a good spot to be able to achieve that looking back and <clears throat> knowing that hindsight is is 2020 and we've talked about how the season progressed and before winning that game in overtime against Georgia there was a definite thought that you know, this team has left a couple games on the table and hopefully it doesn't come back to bite you. And, and so far right now, as we stand here today, I wouldn't say it's necessarily come back to bite the team. However, when you look at, you know, what a difference, you know, pulling out either one of those games against New England, one an overtime loss, one a one goal regulation loss, a nine and six versus, you know, 
eight and seven and having New England at six and nine instead of seven and eight is just I mean it's it's massive and you think it's just one game yeah oh it's night and day we wouldn't uh I mean we'd all, maybe not officially but we'd pretty we'd basically have them for yeah. sure they're obviously still hanging in it they got a big weekend as well I mean you can only control what's ahead of you now at this point but you mentioned those were ones you maybe circle back on but uh and we we've said it you know they're Toronto's eight and seven this year and the one goal losses the late losses the overtime losses they've been in every game I, I don't recall one game that you know they we came out of there and said wow they didn't have a chance at that one tonight and yeah. the New England games were were spot on kind of with that mind frame or, or set of how the game played out I guess you could say and uh but like we said we still we're still in a good spot eight and seven in second place here and you know with a home playoff game not confirmed but it's it's there it's it's attainable you can see it and uh, you know that's obviously the goal with the organization right now and to talk quickly just about uh what's going on in the west and uh you know things obviously Saskatchewan separating themselves uh from everybody else I think is pretty safe to say but what do you think is going to happen in the in the rest of that division right now Colorado always just seems to be well not always but last year even just seemed to be that little bit better than the other two but not drastically but enough that there was some separation and then now you've got Calgary and Vancouver sitting there battling for the for the last playoff spot in the west and I guess my question here is does anybody really pose any kind of a threat to Saskatchewan in the west do you think I, I don't. I don't. And you, you look, you know, I think they have four losses on the year. Saskatchewan, two were in the first two games, if I recall. Yeah. Uh, one against Toronto at the Air Canada Centre. Uh, in terms of what what, what I think is going to happen in the West, if if you look back on, you know, history, it, isn't it a lot? Calgary is going to go into Colorado and beat Colorado? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to happen every year. Yeah, absolutely. And then Saskatchewan will beat Calgary. Like, that just yeah. seems to be like the – what goes on over there uh, of recent with these, t- you know, the cores of these teams. But uh, personally, I don't think, you know, there's a team in the West that that will beat Saskatchewan. Uh, th- they're going to get the bye, so they're obviously going to be getting a two out of three series as well. Um, you'd have to beat them twice. I know, albeit a mini game in there, depending. But yep. um, they haven't lost at home yet this year. It's a it's a tough barn to win in by all indications and. I just don't see – I see Saskatchewan coming out of the West and the East being, you know, up for grabs with, uh, you know, Georgia-Toronto. You know, Obviously, New England's still in there. But Georgia-Toronto split, two tight games. So, you know, flip a coin. And that's, I think, what's so exciting right now about this league is uh, especially the East Division. It's a great time to be a Toronto Rock fan because, you know, anything is possible right now. It really is. I mean, Georgia is, you know, lighting up the scoreboard against everybody else. But it's been too – pretty darn close games two overtime games you know between these two teams and and even when you look back I mean you know Steph LeBlanc's toe in the crease in the first one I mean Toronto could be 2-0 against you know the second best team we'll call them in the league but the best team in the East Division so um, this thing is as wide open maybe as it has ever been I think uh, especially in the last probably maybe even the last decade here that uh, anybody I think could jump up and grab the East Division and uh, you know it it's also interesting that the way things are set up right now 
you know, Buffalo and Rochester being a couple of playoff mainstays that could be out of the mix. And last year we saw it with Toronto and Rochester out of the playoffs. And, and maybe now Georgia and New England are going to become the mainstays in the playoffs. Maybe there truly is a changing of the guard here and that it's going to be Toronto, Buffalo, and Rochester maybe battling it out here for a, for a third playoff spot in the East going forward. Um, it's uh, it's an exciting time to be an NLL fan because every game really does matter. Every week you can see a huge swing in the standings. Just look at what the Rock went through with winning those two games on the road. Uh, or sorry, not on the road. One at home, one on the road, and then losing the two games on the road uh, the following weekend and just how much that changed the fortunes of this team. And, uh, you know, we sit there and, and say what if, but what if they pull out those last two games that are sitting here at 10-5 and five rather than 8-7? and seven? I mean, uh, there's been a lot of ifs in this season, and now you're in the position where I think you got to put all that behind you and just realize there's three games left on the schedule, and everyone is just as big as the you know the next. And this Friday night, if uh, you know if you've been thinking about coming down to a game this year, uh, obviously this is your last regular season opportunity, and we we all hope there's playoff action, and it looks like there's a, a good chance there will be. However, um, this is the no-brainer on the entire schedule um i think really from you know a ticket buying perspective the matchup the rivalry what's on the line here for both teams i mean the rock can pretty well eliminate the bandits from the playoffs uh with a win and um there's no reason not to come down no for sure yeah don't don't kid yourself buffalo's uh, a, de- a desperate team obviously they're going to be you know let alone the fact they hate toronto let alone their their, their playoff the slight hope they do have is just hanging there by a, by a thin piece of string right now. They're going to be giving it their all. Toronto coming off a of bye week, I think, is going to be giving it their all. Like we said, it's a holiday. We've got some cool stuff going on, fan appreciation night, opportunity to come on the floor after, meet the, meet the players, get some autographs. There's a, there's a lot going on, and, and like you said, no reason not to uh, to come down. And I think it's simple, though. I, I mentioned it earlier in the show there, just – Toronto has to, you know, they know what they have to do. Just go out and do it. Uh, just play hard and, and grind out a home win here, and, and we're in a good spot, and we could pretty much, you know, as as nice as it will be, kiss Buffalo goodbye almost in a, in a, in a way. <laughs> yeah, and something else to keep uh, on the radar a little bit with the roster, which we haven't talked a ton about uh, recently, but on Monday, April the 17th, will be kind of the more true roster freeze where it is the deadline. You can't sign any... Uh, unrestricted free agents anymore it's pretty well your roster is locked down at that point Um, even though there was technically a roster freeze a couple of weeks ago um, the true one we'll say is April 17th this is something new this year that there has been a little bit more breathing room for teams to sign unrestricted free agents should they encounter injury problems like what went on what went on here last year with the Toronto Rock where you know this team was you know literally looking around for for bodies who were at 60 70 percent here to finish out the season and you know there was uh, occasions where there was players dressing that probably under under any under circumstances any other circumstances if there had been somebody else healthy they wouldn't have been dressing and uh so the league this year moved that back so up till april 17th you can sign unrestricted free agents and that when that is when the roster freeze will truly come into effect and my long-winded approach to this is bradley cree will possibly be ready to go Friday which is going to create uh, a little bit of shuffling to go on here um, what do you think his impact is going to be coming back in the lineup here potentially against Buffalo on Friday 
I think, you know, if healthy, he's good to go. We'll, you know, start off right off the bat. He's the draw guy, like huge. Possessions, uh, you know, can go a long way in this game. I think he's uh, he's done a great job all year when, when healthy, and, you know, that will be a, a bonus um, as well. If you watch him from, you know, where he was at the start of his career and where he's at now, I think his game has really, really taken off. He was a, you know, grinder of the week earlier in the year for the NLL. Um, you know, one week he's been playing great lacrosse, watching him, you know, all season long, steady defender. You know what you're getting out there. Big body, physical. Uh, I think it's going to be a huge boost to the Rock if he is, uh, you know, healthy and, and good to go Friday. Yeah, and I think at times this year he's probably been within, you know, the top handful of defenders on this team. And I think that does uh, speak a lot to, like you said, how far his career has come along since, you know, you look at just a year ago being, um, you know, let go by by Vancouver, then going to Calgary for an exhibition game, getting let go by them, and then coming back and signing in Toronto, starting on the practice roster here even, and then after a little bit of time getting a shot and then basically never coming into the lineup. So um, it's been uh, a nice progression to watch, especially when you consider that he's a guy that was drafted by this team originally back a few years ago with still one year of junior lacrosse eligibility to go came in here spent one year on the practice roster didn't make the team in his second go around in training camp and ended up in Vancouver later on that season and and didn't get into a ton of action there until played a full until he played a full season the following year but um it's been a nice little story there's been so many great nice little stories here with this team and you know six rookies in the lineup recently as well um you know we go on and on about this stuff but uh it's been a lot of uh fun stuff to follow this year so uh, we are going to take a short break here on the program, and uh, when we come back in just a moment, we will have in studio with us the head coach of the Toronto Rock, Matt Sawyer. Stay with us. We'll be back with more Toronto Rock Total Access in a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis as we uh, welcome in studio the head coach of the Toronto Rock, Matt Sawyer. Matty, how you doing? Good, boys. Good to be back. It's been a while. Yeah, so uh, a bye week for this team. How do you, uh, as a coach here, approach this bye week, or how did you approach the bye week, given that uh, the team had had such a busy schedule there, four games in ten days, a couple of bye weeks early in the season, and then nothing here until the end when you're when you're down to crunch time, and you know, you sit there and you you think, you know, I just played four games in ten days, and then you're going to give me a week off. It would have been nice to maybe break that up a little bit, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. How do you it, approach that whole bye week given the busy schedule you just went through? Well, the this past one, um, obviously, we we took our Tuesday practice off after uh, um, the the travel weekend there in Vancouver and New England, and then uh, we got together this uh, past Sunday as a group and going to get uh, back out of here tonight. So couple of practices in there um you know in a in a perfect world like you said the the buys would have been spread out but uh we knew that at the start of the season and um you know probably came at a, at a good time for us right now you never like them after you uh, after you have a rough weekend but uh, we could use the time off and we've kind of uh, regrouped and um get back at it tonight and we'll be ready for friday night now the uh the healthy body situation if we if we wound the clock back a year ago here was much different uh, around this Toronto Rock team at this time of year, but uh, not a lot of guys uh, banged up in a bad way. But uh, with an extra week off, is there a good chance we're going to see Bradley Cree back in the lineup here this weekend? Well, um, you know, we're hoping Brad's an option, but um, 
you know, uh, I don't have it down to the exact day, but Brad's been about uh, six weeks since he's uh, been active as far as in a game or practice. Plan is to uh, to go here tonight and, and see where he's at, but um, you know, there's definitely no uh, no guarantees there. We need to see how Brad is and and see if we can add him back to that mix. But at the same time, it may be asking a lot of him uh, uh, being off for a month and a half too. Now dialing in that uh, the mix that you talk about, uh, obviously. Uh, this has been a pretty good defensive group all season long. Um, what goes into uh, figuring out who those 10 D guys are right now at this time of year with Brad drawing back in? Well, first and foremost, you know, who's healthy, right? And uh, for the most part, we're, we're pretty good back there. You mentioned Brad. we got a couple other guys that are, uh, are nicked up a little bit, which every team does this time of the year. And, um, you know, so if we have all 11 of our defenders to draw from, it's uh, up to us to, um, as a coaching staff to come up with the, with the right 10. Obviously, we had lots of success early in the season, uh, rolling with those same ten. Um, but uh, you know, since then we've had Brock come come into the mix, and he's given us some good games. Um, you know, at the same time, he's also coming off of a major injury. So uh, that's one of those times when uh, when you got to make a call on it, and you hope you're right. Uh, sometimes you look like a genius, and other times you don't. We're we're hoping we look good this Friday. Have you ever considered at any point this season going with eleven defenders in a in a lineup? Uh, no, to be honest, no. Um, you know, it's uh, it's something that from time to time that uh, that we've thought about, but uh, we've never got to the point where we were thinking about going with that. We like our guys up front, and and uh, we feel the seven ten mix is the right mix for our group. Matty, one guy I wanted to ask you about, and it's crazy. I feel like we haven't talked about him enough on this show, and he he was actually a guest last week. Is is Brody Merrill, and captain of the team? Uh, you know, quietly goes out, does his business. He's a he's a monster out there, really. Uh, leader for some of the younger guys like Latrell, uh, you know, a Magnuson who are who are just getting their feet wet in the league. Could you just touch base on uh, you know what he's meant to the team, how he's kind of taken you know the captain in his first year, and what he's brought to the table. Well, um, you know, first and foremost, Brody's been uh, been great in uh, in his play, and also the the leadership areas. And uh, there's uh, a lot of storylines this year with uh, um, you know with the new additions and, and us being a young team, and Tom and Kieran and Connor, and um, you know, a lot of talk in the media has been about uh, been about that, and, and rightfully so. But um, you know, Brody is uh, he's our leader, and uh, you know, he's our best player, and and um, you know. Uh, he, he's a good guy to follow. He's just been uh, been real good, setting an example, and he's not somebody who's uh, vocal a lot of the times. When he does speak up, he gets everybody's attention, and uh, you know we couldn't have a better captain. And one thing we asked him last week, I want to get your opinion on it. Um, you know, going, dating back, it feels like forever ago now. The games against Vancouver and uh, New England there. Uh, they each team respectively kind of went on a, a solid run, scoring five or six goals in a row there. Um, he, what do you do on the bench, if anything, or do you let the boys get out of that, you know, to try and stop that and try and help them through that, uh, you know, a negative situation like that, a negative couple minutes? Well, you try to, you know, you try to push some buttons and you try to help them. Ultimately, it's, uh, you know, it's up to the players or the ones that are out there performing. And, and you're right, really, those are the only two times this year when we've had those kind of runs in games. And uh, just so happened that they both came in the same weekend and, and uh, uh, you know, we saw the results. So um, as far as on the bench, you might try a little different combination or you might try to slow things down by trying to get a little bit of a delay in the game. But, uh, um, you know, this game moves fast and, and there's not a lot of time or a lot of room to breathe out there. You just need to go out and kind of make a play and, and try to turn things around. Um, 
that, that New England game when we got down, I think it was about 13-7 uh, from the offensive standpoint. Uh, you can't go out there and you can't get six at once. So the message was just, you know, just try to find one. Try to give us a little bit of hope, uh, both offensively and defensively, and, and see if it can get, uh, get snowballing. And um, we did a pretty good job of that. It's just uh, we need to get going a few minutes earlier there. How impressed really were you with the team and the comeback in that game? I mean, being down, I guess it was, yeah, 13-7, 13-8 when the comeback kind of got going. Um, you know, was that uh, was that something that you even, you know, expected to happen given the way the whole weekend had gone so far to that point and where that game, where how things looked and maybe felt even at that time? Was that something that you, number one, expected? And then number two, I guess, what do you what did it, what did that say about the team in general with that comeback? Well, uh, I don't know if you expect it. You hope to see that, right? Um, we had a rough weekend, uh, uh, you know, with the results. And if there was ever a time that uh, that you're gonna say, okay, maybe throw in the towel and, and tap out, uh, that could have been it. And it was just, it was good to see that fight and uh, and that resolve. And and um, like I said, we just came up a little bit short. But from uh, you know, from that standpoint, it just speaks on the the character and the group that we have in there. And uh, we realized we weren't good on that weekend. And um, you know, we finished strong. Uh, you try to take the positives from that. You can't be uh, dwell on the negatives all the time. You address them, try to get better, and and move on. But um, you know, that was one of the positives that came out of that weekend for sure. And we talk about Reed Reinhold just becoming this uh, this money player, kind of almost out of nowhere. You, you know, the big goal against Georgia in overtime, big goal against Saskatchewan uh, in the home opener, uh, and then obviously the big goals at the end of the game against New England. Um, maybe just talk about his progression through the year and also some of the things that he does probably during the game when he's not scoring goals that maybe people don't always notice. Yeah, I think um, you know. I think we're just scratching the surface here with Reed, and and um, you know, it's all on all on him. And, and Blaine's done a good job with him, and um, you know, I guess slowly easing him into this. Uh, fact of the matter is, he was a, what you call a street free agent. He was out there. He was available to uh, to anyone. He came and made our. Uh, practice roster coming out of training camp we saw some stuff that we really liked and we just thought it was a matter of time before he was going to get in there and, and contribute and uh, we needed that and and most good teams um, um, when you look at a season they have that they have some players that maybe uh, step their game up or something that you didn't anticipate at the start of the year successful teams have have players that kind of come out of nowhere and find a way to contribute and and Reed is one of them um, you know he's a he's a good offensive player for us he's uh, got a, what I say a lot of tricks in his bag a lot of different things that he can do with uh, with his stick and with his shot he's available or he's able to uh, create his own shot for himself um, you know he's a big body over there too which works good with uh, Steph Turner and Kieran and and um, you know we're glad that he's come on when he has and and at the same time you're coming out the front door so that is the that is the expectation ultimately you need to play a smart game and and not hurt your team but as one of seven offensive guys you need to find a way to produce and and Reed's done it for us and and he's got a knack for getting some timely goals we hope that continues how satisfying is it to to find a guy like Reed because I think a lot of times I don't know if you want to call him low impact or low maintenance but he's a guy that just kind of fits in and you have to have those guys but how satisfying is it or even at the same time how difficult is it to find a player like him 
that can kind of just fit in. Yeah, well, uh, that's what you're looking for, uh, especially on the offensive end. It's not always about uh, having the seven best players. If you're playing seven old guys, it's about the seven that mesh together. And and um, you mentioned low maintenance, like Reed's, uh, Reed's um, able to create uh, offense for himself. He's not somebody who needs the ball and the stick the, the whole night to create that, which a lot of players do in this league. And um, you know, it's uh, you, you asked how satisfying it is. It's good. It's a good. Uh, you know, we needed it. It's good. Uh, good for us. You get a uh, um, little satisfaction out of that. But it's uh, you know, it's a testament to the organization. And um, Josh and Jamie went out to uh, to BC on a little uh, um, you know scouting uh, trip in the in the uh, summer, and and they were able to identify him. Like I said, he was uh, available to any team that wanted him, and. Um, we're sure glad he's here and it just works out that uh, you know he's in school here at uh, Western Ontario and he's able to uh, to commit to this and he's at every Tuesday's practice and I think you're seeing the results of that. Now looking ahead to the weekend we got a very you know we've been talking on the show a very desperate Buffalo team coming into town there after a, a tough loss they had this past weekend what's the message uh, you know to the boys tonight at practice and, and going ahead to the fo- looking forward Friday because uh, we're kind of regardless in the standings where these two teams are it always seems to be a battle yeah it's um you know it's uh, obviously our biggest rival and and there's been uh, been a, a lot of great games between Toronto and Buffalo and I'm sure Friday night will be a, be another one uh, you mentioned them being desperate uh, you know we need to match that desperation um, the message for us here is to get back to playing our game. I know I say that a lot, but to play in the game that allows us to be successful. And we, we felt we got away from that the last weekend, uh, just sloppy in a lot of areas, uh, allowed a few goals off of our uh, ball team, which we don't normally do. Um, you know, we're getting uh, transition goals off of our offense or our power play, just some, some things that we need to clean up. And um, you know, when, when you add all that up, it's not a recipe for success. And uh, we need to take care of the little things and, and not hurt ourselves, make teams work for goals, and allow our, uh, our goaltending and defense to, to be strong and, and lead the way. Uh, at the same time, uh, we're quite confident that uh, we'll be able to put enough balls in the net. But, um, you know, we, we uh, didn't play uh, – two lacrosse games were characteristic of how we need to play to uh, to be successful so that's the message get back on track and uh, play our game all right maddie well we'll let you get uh, set up for practice here thanks a lot for taking a few minutes to join us and uh, best of luck this weekend thanks boys all right that was the head coach matt sawyer we will take a short break here on toronto rock total access and be back to wrap up the show in a minute like the legend of the phoenix Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis here to wrap up the program. We are going to uh, take a bit of a deeper dive into this Friday night's game and lots of other stuff going on within uh, the Toronto Rock organization here. All kinds of stuff uh, we want to alert season ticket holders to and also that uh, there'll be some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline here in the next little bit. So, um, what we do want to talk about is uh, this game Friday night, first of all. Toronto Rock, Buffalo Bandits, long-standing rivalry, of course. Uh, lots of uh, interwoven history, we'll say, between the two teams. Troy Cordingly, of course, the head coach of Buffalo, former head coach here in Toronto. Steve Dietrich, one-time goalie, one-time assistant coach here with the Rock, the general manager now in Buffalo. Um, it's uh, it's been a It's been a rivalry, let's face it. There's been some... There's been some bench clearing stuff. There's been some heated moments. Uh, there's been some fights. There's been some great lacrosse games, though, over uh, over everything and some historic moments between the two teams. So this Friday night, though, the Toronto Rock coming in with uh, with obviously 
well, both teams with something to play for, but the Rock with something really, I think, to play for in the fact that this team didn't make the playoffs last year. Major overhaul. All the rookies in the lineup. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to stop playing here at the end of the regular season. So um, this is a good group here. Everybody is, uh, you know, fairly tight. One of the tighter groups, I think, uh, that we've seen here in recent years as well. And uh, I think, you know, if everything plays out the way you think it would with a home game against Buffalo with so much on the line, I think you have to take the rock in this game. And I know that that's not off the script here for us. But uh, I just, I almost can't see this going any other way Friday night. Yeah, me either. And, and uh, I mean, just uh, what I think personally, I think if Toronto can jump out to, uh, you know, a hot start and an early lead, say that, uh, you know, Buffalo has been known to get a little a little crazy from time to time, find their way in the box, and it'd be a good opportunity if we could, you know, get a four or five goal lead early on them. They might, uh, you know, the tempers might start flaring a bit for them, and hopefully we could, you know, bury them on the power play or whatnot as the game goes on. Um, I I am calling a Toronto win as well, and like you said, we do it every week. But I, I sincerely believe that this week with the with not that I didn't <laughs> every other this week. Yeah, oh, well, all right, well, yeah, fair, fair. Like legit, I <laughs> yeah, don't see and, this one going the other way as well. And you mentioned the stuff about Buffalo sometimes falls into this uh, black hole of penalties. We'll say in a first half when they do get behind. The scary thing about that is I'd almost rather that not happen because for whatever reason, I feel like historically... They chip back. They seem to hang around when they should have no business. And and The Rock have built substantial leads in a first half and then suddenly it's like Buffalo sides, okay, you know what? We spent our time in the box. It's cost us. We're going to smarten up now. We're going to bang home two or three here and get us back to within striking distance at halftime, be down a few goals, and then suddenly you're in a dogfight in the second half of the game. And... Um, you know, I I think for whatever reason, I don't know why that gets Buffalo going to dig themselves a hole, but historically speaking, for whatever reason, it has a lot of times in the matchup head-to-head with the Rocks. So I'd like that not to happen, but I think I do agree with you in the fact that very well could happen. I, I could see that happening, that the Rock could get out to a, a nice big lead and that old familiar script could play out and we could be in for a, a great night uh, even when it looks like things should be put to bed at halftime. So, um I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It, it whenever Toronto and Buffalo play, it's 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 the best. I mean, it, it really is. And um, you know, I think you can compare it to any other rivalry in any other sport, especially you know through the close proximity, the relationships between the two teams, like we've said. And you know, you look at a Toronto Montreal, or you know, even you know, I know around this office there was a lot of talk about a Toronto Ottawa series and a Battle of Ontario and how great that would be. And a lot of times those rivalries are born out of um, closeness on the map geography and also playoff battles of the past and i think you can draw both of those things into the mix here with this game on friday night yeah for sure and and you know you mentioned buffalo able to it seems they always climb back or find a way they they do still have some weapons up front that you know dane smith we were just talking about him you know the season he had last year another good season this year points per game up you know banesh speaks for himself they they mitch jones we've talked about finding his way and becoming a you know taking a a next a next step in this league and uh you know the, the record you know obviously it's not where they want it to be but uh 
we said regardless where these guys are in the standing, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a, a good test for both teams. Both teams want to win, and and I don't see that not being the case this Friday. And uh, I, like you said, I'm looking forward to it as well. It brings uh, I think both teams bring the best out in each other in in a certain way, and it's kind of like Buffalo gets so fired up, they you know find their way to the box a bit, and then they're like, all right, this sucks. You know the goals yeah. the goals are flying <laughs> in, like you said. Yeah. Let's turn this around, and then those big guys do pot a couple, and all of a sudden you look up, and it's you know going into the fourth quarter, and you're only up by three or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you know they have the guys that that are capable of putting a, putting a run together, but uh, I don't see Toronto losing this. Like I said, if we're gonna you know make our prediction for the week here, I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go a 15-11 Toronto win, and I think like I, I'm still gonna stick to what I said. It it might at times be a larger margin than that, but uh, I think Buffalo you know finds a way to to hang around a bit, kind of similar script that we've seen in the past, and but ultimately just they're going to run out of real estate here and uh, a 15-11 Toronto win. I'm going to go a little uh, a little wider gap, I guess, uh, on the uh, goal differential there. I'm going to go 16-9 for Toronto. I think a uh, good defensive effort is uh, in the cards after giving up uh, too many goals, let's face it, over the last uh, couple of games in those road losses for sure. And I think Funny thing, though, you mentioned still about, uh, you know, Buffalo kind of sorting themselves out sometimes after getting into that penalty trouble. How frustrating has that? I mean, that's got to be so frustrating for a coach. You sit there and what can you do when you see your team play out that that script several times and and still be able to have some success or, or be able to compete? Because, you know, it's those guys out there themselves that are going out and almost teaching themselves the lessons. They kind of come off the rails for a bit okay, we realize we can't do this. The ball is finding its way into the net and sort themselves out, you know. And I think at some point, you know, as a coach, you got to pull out what hair you got or whatever you got left up there. And um, it's got to be frustrating from that uh, standpoint. Um, but the other thing I was going to mention too is, you know, you, you talked about a few of Buffalo's big guns. Two names didn't even come up there. Mark Stainhouse, Pat Saunders. And Pat Saunders is a guy that we haven't even seen in the lineup yet against the Toronto Rock this year. And there's a guy who has proven in this league that he can be, you know, a two-plus goal-a-game guy on average with, uh, you know, a 40-plus goal season last year. So um, this one has all the makings for for a a classic, and and maybe it'll be much higher scoring. Maybe it will be a 17-15, 16-14 game, but... Uh, back to the prediction side of it, I just see the Rock kind of dialing things back uh, defensively a little bit, and uh, the offense, I think, will will kind of continue to click because the goals have been there for the most part uh, throughout the entire season. So I don't I don't really see that uh, slipping necessarily. I think it's the defensive side of things. I think Brad Cree can be a catalyst in that as well, and and dialing things back on the defensive side as well. So now, just to you, you know, you mentioned the coach there and how he must be pulling his hair out. Do you think there is some kind of, you know, just from, from watching Troy coach and uh, he, he, let's just, he's a coach. He's an active coach on the bench. He's always engaged. He's an intense guy. Um, Does that get, he's always talking with the refs. Does that get Buffalo a little too fired up? Do you think sometimes seeing that they're, I guess their leader in a way like that, where maybe the players would have to find a, a, a happy medium, I guess, to say to separate. Okay, this is the coach. This is what he has to do. We can't get caught up in you know how he's acting on the bench. Not, I'm not saying it in a negative way. Yep. But uh, and to kind of separate that or channel that better onto the floor. 
I think it, that's a really interesting question. And I think uh, I think it also may vary from player to player because I think every player really is motivated a little bit differently, and everybody's kind of wired a little bit differently. And you know that is Troy as a coach, very intense, very vocal on the bench. And you know I, I think over the years I think everybody will admit you know players are motivated differently. Some guys feed off that immensely. And some guys love that high level of accountability too and feel like, you know what, that that helps them out there almost in, in some regard. And other guys, you know, they they probably prefer a little bit quieter of a environment on the bench and, and maybe a little more even keel. But, um, you know, I think to each his own in that. And, and it's tough also to uh, argue against Troy's uh, – resume you know and his championships and and whatnot coach of the year nods as well in this league so um it's it's not uh necessarily you know i think a one style versus the other but i mean the biggest thing i think maybe in the factor of all this is that that's buffalo bandits lacrosse too and it's not just been troy cordingly behind the bench that we've seen you know daris kilgore was maybe a similar voice right In, in a guy that was incredibly intense and then you know to some degree you know Intimidating, You know, with Darius Kilgore on the bench, uh, you know, uh, he's got a personality. He's got an aura about him. And, uh, you know, especially he, he demands respect and he deserves it. I mean, for what he's accomplished in the game and, and also as, uh, you know, one of the winningest coaches in National Lacrosse League history. So um, that's, to me, again, I think that's Buffalo Bandits Lacrosse in a nutshell. I think it's also why those fans down there love it. You know, that's bandit ball. They love it. They love the intensity, the, the in-your-face, the, the accountability. I think that the players, uh, you know, keep amongst themselves as well. So um, that nicely segues into a new twist on short-term, long-term trade, which we have to credit to KD here. He came up with uh, a little bit of a mix. So we're going to do coaches today on short-term, long-term trade. And... I guess trade wouldn't necessarily be applicable here in this situation, but maybe short-term, long-term, see ya. Maybe this is the new, uh, the new spin on this. So we wanted to have a theme of three guys who previously coached the Toronto Rock. So our three guys here on short-term, long-term, see ya, the coaching edition, Troy Cordingly, um, Glenn Clark, and Jamie Batley. Three guys who have each been head coaches of the Toronto Rock and are currently employed in the National Lacrosse League. Yeah. You're up. First of all, we'll just start a different little spin on it with, uh, you know, Troy coming to town here with Buffalo. We could uh, mix it up a little bit for the, for the listeners. Um, but here we go. I guess I'll just in the order of the names that they were, you know, brought to the table here. Uh, I'm going to keep Troy long-term. Um, in, you know, in light of what we just said, you know, his resume speaks for itself. He's won in this league. He, uh, you know, he's respected. Uh, he was uh, the coach when I was here in camp uh, with the Rock years ago. And, you know, just what he demanded out of the players, I thought, you know, got the best out of them. It, uh, you know, so um, I'm going to keep Troy around long term, even though you know, Buffalo's not having a great year this year. Uh, stats are record wise, but uh, like I said, I can't argue with what he's done in, in the game here uh, t- to date. And I'm going to keep him. Long term, short term, I'm going to go with Glenn Clark. It seems like uh, you know the last couple of years, New England's been. We're talking about maybe a team that uh, 
you know, is going to be in the playoffs for a couple years in a row here and really make a name for themselves. Uh, they were very close last year, if I recall, to, to even advancing further than they did. Yep. Um, and uh, I think you know they, they got a good thing going. They've they've beat Toronto twice this year already. It's going to come. They're going to be in the playoffs again by all, you know, if things play out relatively how they're they're good, they're supposed to, I guess, down the stretch here. They're going to be back in. Um, obviously, doesn't have the tenure or, or coaching resume, I guess, Troy does. So I'm going to you know want to see a little more of of Glenn, I guess, coaching in the league uh, before signing him long term. But I'm going to I like what he's done short term. I'm going to keep him around and. That just leaves me to, you know, play the game, and uh, unfortunately, it's a uh, see a uh, Jamie Batley. Um, you know, you he's had experience in the league with Colorado, obviously, but uh, you know, obviously, whatever happened there didn't work out so well. Uh, we've expressed our views on Vancouver this year to a certain extent. Even they did beat Toronto, full marks for that. They are hang, hanging in there, but uh, you know, I don't. I question a couple things going on there, and uh, I think to a, you got to start at the top there and look at the coach at some point there, and you know maybe scratch your head a little bit on a couple things that have uh, transpired this year. But uh, you know he's still he's coaching the league. There's it's one of nine jobs, so he's still obviously doing something right. But uh, got to play the game. So uh, unfortunately, see you, Mr. Badley. Yes, and while uh, while this is all a game and and. Uh good spirits and, and good fun and whatnot but in all seriousness you know jamie batley could find himself on the hot seat here at the end of the year if the team doesn't make the playoffs you know we'll we'll have to see how this is all going to play out here in vancouver and uh and what could go on there so um so there you have it short term long term see ya coaching edition and uh that was great maybe we need to get uh Mr. Zucchiati here to uh, find us a sponsor for this segment. Yes, yeah, we do. I was about to say, you know, short-term, long-term, see us. Brought to you by, well, we'll have to see. Maybe next year. Um, so that brings us to, uh, again, refocusing on uh, Friday night's game and uh, also just everything else that's going on in and around things. It is Fan Appreciation Night. Like you mentioned off the top, Toronto Sun Autograph Night. You'll be able to uh, get together with uh, your favorite players, get their autograph, um, every fan entering the building will get a Toronto Sun cheer card that they can get autographed or they can bring one item of their own uh, to get signed. But uh, on the ticket side of things, everything going very well this week. We are down to, what, almost singles only in the lower bowl? Yeah, lower bowl. I mean, people are calling in and asking for four tickets together and we gotta, we're gotta we splitting them up into two and two. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's been good. Obviously, we had the big push last week with the buy one get one. Uh, like I said, fan appreciation night. Buffalo in town after a bye week. Playoff indications. Uh, there's a lot of momentum heading uh, heading into this game. So if you are looking to come down, you, I would highly recommend visiting TorontoRock.com or calling the office here at four one six nine one four one six. extension 236. I got really lucky there to throw in my personal (laughs) cell phone number into the fold there. We could have some rock talk. When you think about, though, how many times, and especially when you talk about the cell numbers, 
in the real work world here, how often, like, I mean, I guess you guys get calls at your desk more often being in the ticket office, but, oh, yeah. you know, me personally, my, my desk phone here rarely rings. It's my, my cell phone all the time. So well, I can appreciate that. Talking, little, uh, uh, up there. talking <laughs> my, uh, like, we've been having some off <laughs> offline rock talk here with yeah. a couple of fans if that one got out. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, still, still great tickets. You know, it, it is getting scarce, though, in terms of, like you're looking at singles and yeah. and pairs um, for the most part here, um, but that doesn't mean we still won't uh, won't accommodate you and do whatever we can to get you set up with the best seats available that you're that you're looking for. So the moral of the story is: act now, don't be disappointed. Get your seats now. There is uh, there will of course be seats available at the ACC box office on game day, but obviously not quite the same inventory that uh, would have been available in the last few games, but. Um, make sure you get those tickets in advance. That's the best way to do it. Avoid the lines, print them at home, all those kind of things. Uh, but get down there Friday night. It's going to be a doozy. And other stuff we got going on, 2018 season tickets and renewals are now uh, underway. They are, uh, They are. yeah, they're officially launched. 2018 season tickets and renewals. It's a, you know, it's a great time to hop on board. There is a, there is a price freeze currently. Um, until June 30th, tickets will be rising just just a little bit. But you know, if you got four or six tickets, it's it can add up, I uh, no doubt. So if you're gonna want to, you know, if you renew now, jump back, jump on board now, move from a flip a flex pack to a season ticket. It's uh, it's definitely worth it. And I think uh, you know, with the the product on the floor this year, is showing that uh, it's fun. It's been a great environment down there. Uh, you know, f- bring the family down, bring your friends down, and uh, you know, hopefully we're in a deep playoff run here too. And you know, the city of Toronto, I think the lacrosse fans here, especially after last year, want want to clinch onto that. And uh, you know, to lock into your seasons now. And you know, we got a, a draw going on as well for the early bird. Uh, people that do renew early, people that do sign up early. So there's no uh, no reason. It's a no brainer if you know you're doing it. Might as well hop on and now and do it. Yeah. So that uh, incentive you talk about for this week is the opportunity to perform the ceremonial face-off on Friday night. So renew your tickets by, I believe, Thursday midday is going to be the cutoff. For the draw. Yeah, for the draw, if you want to uh, get in for a chance to actually be the one on the floor between the captains on Friday night performing the ceremonial face-off. Pretty cool once-in-a-lifetime type opportunity for a fan, especially, you know, obviously anybody who's listening to this podcast is a big Toronto Rock fan. So I would say that anybody who's listening to this and is a season ticket holder, you're probably going to want to renew before uh, the middle of the day there on Thursday and get your name into the hat and uh, possibly be the person out there performing the ceremonial face-off on Friday night, which I think would be uh, a pretty big thrill for any rock fan. For oh, for sure, that's uh, that's an awesome experience. That's you know, I would love to be out there doing yeah. that myself <laughs> and just to just to kind of clear myself up season tickets call the rock at 416-596-3075 there you go we'll keep that clean piece of audio (laughs) for editing purposes we can slide that in anywhere right um all right well that's great there's uh and stay tuned we got we there's lots more stuff coming on we don't want to get too far into it uh but there'll be some more news coming next week as well and uh also by the time this podcast has hit the airwaves um, or right around there. We can let the cat out of the bag a little bit, but the season ticket holder party invite uh, going out this week. Looking forward to a great party on Sunday, April the 30th uh, at Classic Bowl again in Mississauga, and it's a great event. So uh, season ticket holders, make sure you check your email 
Get those RSVPs in ASAP if you would like to come to uh, the season ticket holder party at the end of the month. And hopefully, as we have in many recent years, especially since Jamie Dowick has owned this team, uh, it ends up being kind of a bit of a playoff kickoff party at the same time. So hopefully we're in that same position again at the end of the month. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but uh, of course... A win on Friday night will go a long way to cementing that. So uh, any final thoughts here before we wrap up, KD, or are we, uh, we good to go? No, I'm good. Like I said one last time, I'm expecting uh, just a big game, though, and I think Toronto knows, you know, just the, the vibe around around here the, knows what uh, what's at stake and what, what this means to, you know, to get back in the playoffs. And uh, let's go. I can't wait to, to get down there Friday night. All right, so uh, we do have to thank our guest, uh, Matt Sawyer, head coach of the Toronto Rock, for stopping by this week. Uh, always great chatting with him. So in the meantime and in between time, for Kyle Davis, I'm Mike Hancock saying that's it. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access is in the bag. We will chat next week. Stop the rock, can't stop the rock, can't stop the rock.